All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, and we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, We give you tips on how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. All right, everybody, all of you good, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation. I hope you are having just a lovely little morning, noon, or night, wherever you're tuning in. Uh, You're in the right place. And I think a lot of you guys are probably uh, tuning in from the road. Uh, So stay focused and just uh, allow your ears and your dome to get educated here on the fly uh, as we bring in an expert in something that we haven't talked a lot about. And in fact, We've avoided, for, for, for several reasons, we've avoided conversations around taxes. But Pete's- Well, well hold on. Well, well, hold on. We, we have to edit out that word. We can't say that here. <laughs> for, for, you know, for, for years and years, we've avoided even saying the word because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a touchy subject and we're not tax advisors. Uh, and nothing that you hear on this podcast is tax advice- or legal advice or financial advice. This is a conversation that we're having uh, with an awesome COO of a tax accounting software, uh, Dan Hannum. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. Um, Pete, what's going on with taxes? Why haven't we talked about them? And why are we talking about them today for the first time? You know, it's 2020. All the rules are broken. They're thrown out the window. Let's screw it. Let's just do it. Um, we used to work for another company that had screw it. Let's do it as a motto. And it was a lot of fun. So we're going to bring that in. We need some fun in 2020. If our idea of fun is tax education, well, that just tells you uh, what kind of year it's been. But Dan, we're very happy to learn how we can keep ourselves out of prison, out of jail, and uh, on the right side of the IRS. So tell us a little bit about what is Zen Ledger, first of all, and what can it do for us? 
Yeah, yeah, happy to go in. Zenledger is a crypto tax software um, that allows individual tax filers, whether they're consumers or tax professionals, to have a place to easily aggregate all of their sources, whether they're you know multiple exchanges, multiple wallets, um, aggregate all that information, and then easily and, and quickly print off uh, you know uh, tax forms for them, whether that's the eighty nine forty nine, Schedule D, FinCEN, FACTA, etc. Um, so in essence, what we do is allow those users instead of having to use a spreadsheet or Google Excel or anything like that to have a you know really clean and, and, and easy to use software that allows them to stay compliant whether they're you know participating in DeFi or yield farming or you know simply just making a few trades uh, in the in the year. That's awesome. And what in your I mean because like you said yield farming a lot of people uh, are yield farming for anybody who doesn't really know what that is it's you know putting up uh, some tokens as collateral and earning interest on that. And it's just an interesting uh, model, but it has implicate tax implications that people don't really know how to mark these things uh, first in, first out, or capital. There's just a lot going on. So, in your experience, you know what has been the most like is you know staking rewards even like how do you account for staking rewards? So again, this isn't you know tax advice, but how does the Zen Ledger software codify? all of these, you know, crypto native returns? Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, we have support for most of the leading DeFi integrations, um, whether that's like an AVE, a Uniswap, V1, V2, Compound, et cetera. Um, but, you know, each element of crypto brings unique challenges, whether it's pure income, like income that you'd receive from using a BlockFi or Celsius or Nexo, or staking income that you'd receive, whether you're staking on your own or using a service like a staked or, or something like that. And then, you know, DeFi and Neofarming bring a ton of challenges as well. Um, you know, in my opinion, I think the the hardest part to deal with is the lack of clear IRS guidance around some of these, um, you know, some of these investment products, I guess, is really kind of the, the biggest challenge because right now we're using older guidance, we're using guidance that's not as clear and trying to make interpretations. A lot of the times, you know, we, we try to take the conservative side of, of, you know, what the IRS would likely view as income or view as a taxable event. Um, but yeah, I think the IRS creates uh, some tricky problems of just not having clear guidance around some of more of the edge cases around, especially DeFi, whether you're like an LP staking or, you know, uh, putting liquidity into a balancer pool or using Curve or, or one, ex one inch exchange or something like that. So there, there becomes a lot of gray area that just doesn't have a clear answer. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Um, as far as, you know, Zenlarger specific integrations, I think one of the things that sets us apart from some of our competitors is the fact that we run full nodes. We have the ability for users to simply just enter a wallet address. So instead of trying to put together like, uh, you know, a CSV file or something like that, um, if you're using a Uniswap account, um, or if, you know, you're one of the, you know, uh, tens of thousands of people that likely just had, you know, uh, an income payment from the Uniswap airdrop, you know, for, for us, all you have to do is just type in that Uniswap wallet address click import, and then we pull uh, all the rest in for you. So we try to, you know, obscute or, or take away some of the complexity of trying to account for those things and just allowing our, our users directly import that wallet. Um, and then on the exchange side, you know, we work closely with, um, you know, a lot of the largest exchanges, whether they're domestic or international with Coinbase, we have like a one click U authorization um, or O authorization, excuse me, um, that allows users just to simply log in and then we pull historical data like that. Um, so anyways, you know, I guess those are two different angles uh, as far as like the challenges is more just on not having clear guidance. And then the way that Zenledger currently um, helps our consumers around that is just by allowing them to enter those wallet addresses. And then we, you know, mix that with their 
their ledger, their Trezor, their Coinbase account, their Binance account, et cetera, and then give them that complete tax package. Wow. Sounds very uh, easy, actually. I mean, <laughs> you, you have your addresses. I mean, some people have, you know, multiple addresses, dozens of them. So I could see it getting a little squirrely there. And it, it, but it does sound like it's just like a really easy system that anybody could just kind of plug into uh, and see what their their taxable liability is. But I do want to ask, I know you said like kind of the regulations and stuff from the IRS is a little gray. And I know that the IRS, or I, I presume that I remember hearing that the IRS declared crypto as property. Uh, and then mm -hmm. FINRA kind of declares it as money. And then the SEC declares some as uh, securities. The CFTC considers some of them commodities. And there's all these conflicting ideas of what crypto is. So yeah, does Zen Ledger just take, you know, you only follow the, the regulations put out by the IRS. Is that correct? Or yeah, is it I mean, also multinational, like multinational? How do you guys even account for the regulations? You know, some of our listeners might be in Europe or in Asia or Africa. Yeah, happy to touch on both. Um, you know, in the United States, the IRS is really the, the governing body that handles most of anything that's related to taxes. So for us, having guidance from the IRS is typically the, the clearest. And that's unfortunately all we really have is, you know, there's not really there's not like laws in place or legislation around crypto taxes. It's, you know, guidance on how the IRS um, is viewing these assets um, and how to account for them. Um, so that's kind of how we approach it from the U.S. state. And I guess that, you know, trends right into your next question. As of right now, Zenledger is focused just on U.S.-based taxpayers. Um, we do have the ability to, uh, we're about to launch probably in Q1 of 2021, support for Canadian and the CRA. Um, and then getting into Europe, you know, just creates, creates some troubles, not only in the sense that each, you know, each country within Europe has its own tax rates. They have their own tax laws. Some of them aren't even taxing, such as like a Switzerland, for example. So Europe and, and some of the Asian countries um, are a little bit trickier. Just um, you know, from total market, how they are using and addressing current tax guidance or tax laws. So the United States is obviously the, the biggest market. Um, you know, for us, we only have to code to the IRS instead of having you know each state having their own way uh, of handling uh, crypto taxes. Obviously, from the income, the income tax rate is different uh, depending on, on where which state you locate you're located in. But um, so yeah, that's kind of how we we looked at it uh, as far as you know what's the biggest market out there: U.S. based investors. You know what markets have very clear guidance um, and have you know one administration or administrative body. Um, so that's really why we focus on the U.S. But we'll have support for Canada in Q1, and then um, some of our investors uh, have connections out in Japan. So we're looking into uh, working with uh, the Japanese authorities as well on on being able to help uh, out multinational multinational support. That sounds really awesome and a lot of work. Uh, speaking of a lot of work, you know, being in crypto all day, we've got transactions flying all over the place. Weird coins that have been out for about five minutes, exchanges no one's ever heard of. I mean, honestly, I don't even know what's going on with all my trades and money. How yeah. can I accurately report these gains and losses when I don't even have a clue? I mean, do I is just Zen Ledger just aggregate every single transaction and we give it over to the IRS and they decide what the tax bill is, or do we have to actually determine this ourselves and give the IRS a number? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think the beauty of Zenledger is that we we handle all of the the you know grunt work or hard work for you. So really, all a consumer needs to do is is really understand where they've sent funds. 
And, you know, that sounds somewhat easy, but as you mentioned, there, there's a ton of users, whether they're, you know, earlier crypto investors from 2013 or 2015, or, you know, just new people that are getting into the space now. Um, so, you know, that's our number one piece of advice is just, you don't have to track every single transaction, every single amount, every single, you know, trade, but just understanding where you've made those trades, you know, so I've used a Coinbase, I've used a Binance, I've used a Bittrex, et cetera. I've used a Ledger, I've used a Jax, I've used a Keep Key, you know, et cetera. So really just making sure that you have, you know, a general list of the sources that you've used is really the only thing that you need to do. And then with Zenledger, we just pull in all the rest. So if you've used, you know, let's say John Doe has used Coinbase, Kraken, and Binance. They'd come in, they'd create an API for each one of those three exchanges. We'd pull in all historical data that happened and occurred on those exchanges. And then let's say they have, you know, a, a Trezor, a Keep Key, and maybe a Jax. They'd import all those wallet addresses. We support XPubs as well. So they would just simply enter in all their, their sources, whether those wallet addresses or exchange accounts. We have support for you know, other service providers in crypto. So if you're using like a Lolly or a Fold or a Celsius or a BlockFi or things like that, you, you easily can just drag and drop a CSV file right in. So we can account for that interest payment, that staking rewards. You know, as we talked about earlier, uh, as far as like the wallets, you know, for us, you just enter in a, a wallet address and then we pull all that data from, uh, from the blockchain. So yeah, you know, it's definitely a little bit complex and that's really how Zenlender was born. Um, it's really back in 2015, 2016, we were trying to put together this information on Google Docs and Excel spreadsheets and trying to, you know, I, I sent one BTC here, it was worth this amount, then I traded it for this or, you know, it's just so, it's so complicated to do that manually. You know, obviously, I'm biased as a, an investor and obviously uh, an operator of Zenlender. So I think using uh, us specifically, but crypto tax software in general uh, makes doing taxes a lot easier. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can do this manually, you can do it on paper. So what we really do is just make uh, that process a lot easier, uh, a lot simpler. And that's really, you know, what, we, what we're here to do is to simplify crypto taxes for uh, consumers and tax professionals. So, so yeah, that, that's really how we look at it is as long as you have access or recognition of using these types of wallets, uh, exchange accounts, that's really all you need. And then you just plug it into Zenledger. Then we go through on our tax calculations and spit out your 8949. We spit out your schedule one, we spit out your FinCenter factory report. And that's really what makes it easy for tax professionals as well as they don't have to understand crypto. They don't have to understand wallets. They don't have to understand private or public keys. All they, But they do understand what an 8949 is. They understand what these tax forms are. So we kind of take away all of like the crypto jargon and all the stuff that, you know, makes us sound like, uh, you know, we're, we're creating new, uh, new stuff here, which I think we are. But, uh, but yeah, you know, that's how we, we typically look at it. As long as you're keeping track of those sources, we, we can uh, handle all the rest for you. That's awesome. Um, one of the things that kind of has me thinking is that you could use a platform like Zen Ledger, and correct me if I'm wrong, as like a portfolio tracker. Like a lot of people ask, they're like, hey, I use Blockfolio. I'm trying to calculate my taxes. Or hey, I'm using Cointracking.info or Delta app. But yeah. can they basically get rid of those softwares and use Zen Ledger instead? Yeah, I mean, that's something that when looking at the market, you know, two or three years ago, Blockfolio was already on the market, you know, they've been one of the leading, uh, you know, portfolio tracking or portfolio management apps, you know, for, for quite some time. Um, so we, we really thought, you know, where can we set ourselves apart and, and what really do consumers need to help them stay compliant when trading or investing in crypto? And really that bright spot was crypto taxes. So for us, that was really our focus. And, and as you mentioned, by us kind of focusing on crypto taxes and really ensuring that what we're doing is, you know, 
the right way to do things. We're pulling in the right pricing feeds. We're pulling in, in, in like you, like we talked about briefly with DeFi, there's a lot of complications there. So making sure we're accounting for all of that clearly and accurately allows us to then, you know, for lack of better words, spit out a pretty UX or UI on, you know, here's where your assets are. Here's the USD value of your assets. You know, here's where you sent them. You can add a watch list, those types of stuff. So for us, our focus was on making sure that the crypto taxes were, you know, 100% complete, accurate, simple, reliant, uh, reliable, excuse me. Um, and then that allows us to, to easily kind of merge into that portfolio tracking and management capabilities. So we have what we call the holdings tab, which once you, you know, put in your exchanges, your wallets, et cetera, you'll be able to click, click on the holdings tab, which will show you, you know, I have whatever, 2.3 BTC in my ledger account. I have whatever, uh, five Uniswap in my Uniswap V2 address, et cetera. But then we're building out more advanced portfolio tracking and management. Uh, but for us, tackling and making sure that we were the best at crypto taxes was really that number one priority. And I think that allows us to really have that clear and, and easy migration into, you know, we have all your sources. Here's what, you know, your portfolio looks like. Whereas I think some of the other uh, competitors in the space that have tried to do both uh, haven't been very successful at doing either. Because I think, you know, when you're stretched a little bit too thin, it's you don't have that priority. And, and really for us, that priority was making sure that we were the best at crypto taxes. And then, like you said, that allows us to really, uh, you know, kind of turn on that UX or UI that shows you where things are, the value of them and, and that type of stuff. That's tremendous. I mean, the engineering to do that is extremely difficult. And one of the reasons is because every single exchange and wallet has a different interface to connect to with different rules, different data columns. There's no standards that match up here. So to get all that uniform in your system and actually work well and make sense is really a feat that a lot of institutional grade platforms have not been able to do. So uh, great job for you guys. And one question I had when I was listening to you talk earlier, how do we declare capital losses? I mean, there's so much extra risk in crypto compared to traditional finance. I mean, can we declare funds or even entire wallets lost or stolen or say, hey, you know, this coin, you know, exit scam went to zero? Yeah. Um, so with our software, we have the ability to mark things as, as lost or stolen if needed. Um, obviously, you know, with crypto taxes, what you're doing is self-reporting. So at the, at the end of the day, um, you know, if you report everything as lost or stolen or, you know, as we frequently hear in crypto, I, I lost my, you know, wallet out on a boat or whatever, you know, that's completely up to you. Dude, uh, you too? That happens <laughs> to me all the time. It, it was a big boat. It was a big boat. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we recommend doing things above board. Um, but, but if you, you know, sent your funds to an address that, um, you know, wasn't your address or wasn't, you know, you're sending BTC to a BCH address or, or whatever, or you sent your, your funds to a Ponzi scheme or whatever, obviously we recommend consulting with a tax professional to ensure what you're doing is above board. But our software does allow uh, for you to mark things as lost or stolen. You can do that by the source. Um, so for example, you could mark an entire wallet as lost or stolen, but then you can also drill down into a transaction. So for example, let's say you didn't lose access to your wallet, but you know, one of those transactions you made from your, your Trezor or your ledger went to uh, you know, uh, one of these uh, items where there's lost, stolen, et cetera. You can mark that specific transaction um, as well. So we definitely understand that you know, p early on, people have made mistakes. And, and I think that's something that we recommend is just owning that. And, and really that helps you out in the tax situation. So one of the biggest things that you know we're getting prepared for is tax loss harvesting season in October and November, where you're able to sell assets that you hold um, that are currently at a loss to offset potential gains or gains that you've already made. So that's kind of getting into more of like that crypto tax, I guess, 
102. That's kind of like one step above normal crypto taxes of really using some of these tools um, to really uh, optimize your taxes year round. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's definitely something that we support. We recommend making sure that you're taking advantage if you have lost or stolen assets, making sure that you're marking them properly, um, and then making sure that you're using tax loss harvesting or uh, more advanced crypto tax uh, tools to ensure that you're maximizing and, and optimizing your taxes as well. And is there some crypto loss harvesting information uh, when people sign up with Zen Ledger? Yeah, we have a full crypto tax, uh, or what we call a tax loss harvesting report. Oh, awesome. So we'll show you exactly you know, what you have, what's being sold at a loss. If you sell this, how much it can offset. Right now, you can offset up to $3,000 in capital gains, and that rolls forward as well. Um, so it's definitely something that, you know, especially in a year like 2018, for example, where you know, a lot of people may have gotten in late. They bought you know, XYZ asset at $10, and then in 2018, we kind of hit that bear market, um, and you know, it was trading at $2. You know, you could sell that asset, use that eight dollars in this example to then offset eight dollars worth of, you know, let's say your BTC appreciated in that mm. year. So it's definitely something that we recommend people use. Um, we have that support, and then we also have, in my opinion, one of the best crypto customer success teams uh, as well. So you know, if you need a pointer, if you need help looking at your crypto taxes or your tax loss harvesting specifically, um, we offer that, and then we also offer uh, fully prepared CPA plans as well. Um, so in addition to the five do-it-yourself pricing. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recorded. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Plans that we offer, we also allow our users to work directly with a tax professional to make sure that, you know, they have a tax professional signing off on their reports or just handling the importing process for them. So um, yeah, it's definitely something that we recommend taking advantage of. And our tax loss harvesting report is definitely something that um, a lot of our consumers take advantage of, especially in years that have you know, some of the choppiness that we've seen. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. And, and it, one of the things that I was kind of curious about is the evolution of tax law for crypto specifically, kind of since, you know, you've been in the game, like how are, how have things changed? I remember, um, you know, back in 2016 and 2017, there was a case being made for 1031 like kind exchange, you know, between altcoins, like kind property, uh, because it was property and then somehow it got snuffed out and that wasn't a valid, uh, reporting strategy. So I'm kind of curious just from your vantage point, like what have been like the, the watershed moments in crypto tax law? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the first one that comes to mind is really right when I was getting into this space full time back in 2014 um, is really when we had like the, the most up to date and, and I guess clearest, guide, clearest guidance from the IRS. Um, and it's called IRS 2014-21. So if you just type that into Google, you can see you know what that initial IRS guidance was around crypto. Um, and then as you mentioned, you know, over the last six years, we've had continuous updates to that guidance, whether it was recently with microtasking or about six or nine months ago with um, virtual uh, virtual in-game currencies. Um, so I think as the IRS is continuing to learn about crypto, what it is, and those types of things, you know, they're issuing new guidance to help us, um, not only us as a business, but us as an industry, um, you know, make sure that we understand what we're doing. So I guess that's kind of the first piece. Um, you know, recently, I'd probably say within the last 18 months, you're starting to see a lot more activity around crypto taxes. So one of the biggest things that we've seen last year was that they added a form uh, to your Schedule 1 that asked if you had interacted, purchased, sold, traded any type of, of crypto or virtual currency. Um, that was kind of like step one. This year, they've gone into you know step 10. Uh, they've kind of taken a giant leap ahead and put that directly on the 1040 now. So every single tax filer that's filing a 1040 now has to actually say, I have or I have not had in, you, interaction or exposure with digital assets. So up to this point, you know, you could plausibly make the you know argument that I didn't know I had to file, I didn't know, yada, yada, yada. You know, obviously we think it's been very clear since day one. Um, but that was an argument we frequently you know received from uh, you know, whether they're prospective consumers or just people in, in crypto taxes of they're not gonna find me, you know, it's all anonymous, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that, you know, that makes it perfect perfectly clear. And then we've seen the IRS step up enforcement as well, whether it's you know, you know, targeting Coinbase and going after Coinbase users that you know, they didn't file about a year ago, we had 10,000 IRS letters sent out to users that either did not file that they knew had crypto assets or filed that most likely didn't file correctly and are going into more of an auditing phase. Um, and then we just recently saw a new round of those letters as well. 
about two weeks ago, we saw the IRS invest into crypto tax software to use for uh, persecuting and going after criminal tax enforcement cases. So the IRS is definitely stepping up enforcement. They're making it clear that you need to handle your crypto taxes. It's, there's no longer any uh, you know plausible deniability that you didn't know you had to um, or, or things like that. So I think I think moving that that um, that piece to the 1040 is is huge. We actually I actually was just interviewed by the Wall Street Journal this morning around that. They're they're doing a big piece around crypto taxes enforcement and things like that. So the IRS is making it very clear that you can't run away, you can't hide. We don't really take that stance in the sense that, like, you know, the IRS is coming after you. They're going to put you in jail. We definitely think that, you know, if you're a U.S.-based citizen and you're looking to comply, we want to make that as easy, uh, simple, and accurate, and you know, as possible as we can for you. So, yeah, we've definitely seen, you know, guidance from back in 2014, which is really some of the stuff that we're pull- still pulling from, and then updated guidance over the years, and then now, I'd say in the last nine to 12 months, uh, you know, more clear enforcement not only from investing in tax software, but also um, making it very clear and apparent to uh, the average consumer that you need to file, you, you need to be aware. Um, and we see that reflected in our or in, in our purchase data. We see a lot of our newer customers that are coming in in 2020 that are actually going back and purchasing 2017, 2018, 2019 reports, which typically indicates that either they didn't file in any of those years and they are going back and, and actually filing, or they filed and maybe used a, an inaccurate you know software or tried to do it by hand and are now amending the returns using Zenlender. Um, we actually have, you know, one of Coinbase's first 20, uh, employees actually used our software and restated his, his returns and actually was owed $230,000 from the IRS from, oh my God. <laughs> um, you know, from stating it wrong the first time. So, um, so yeah, you know, th- there's definitely the IRS is, is not coming after you, but I think, you know, if you're using crypto, if you're investing and if you're a U.S. based citizen, we highly recommend, you know, getting ahead of these things. And we, like you said, we have an amazing customer support team to help you out. So if, you know, you're confused, you don't want to handle it, you haven't thought about crypto taxes, you've been in crypto for five or six years, or maybe two or three, you got in in 2017. Um, you know, we're, we're here to help. And like I said, as long as you have an understanding of, you know, what exchanges and what wallets you use, you know, our software really does the rest for you. So we're here to help uh, the consumers making sure that uh, they stay compliant. Well, it's really good to awesome. know we're not alone anymore. <laughs> That's for <laughs> sure. Um, do you know offhand, if U.S. exchanges are required to report transactions and their full logs to the IRS automatically or just when subpoenaed? Do you have any insight into that side of the coin? Yeah. So what we've seen is it's more on a subpoena based. We don't have uniform, as you mentioned earlier, as far as like uniform APIs, which would make our lives a million times easier. We don't even have that yet. Um, So having like uniform reporting to, uh, to more of the institutional side is something that we definitely push for, you know, as you've seen in some of the recent ETF denials, having a regulated spot market is really a big thing that they're looking at. So having these companies, you know, comply with whether it's KYC or AML or, or you know, just sending, uh, I forget the, the specific language, but essentially they, they're supposed to be monitoring and reporting potential fraudulent accounts or, or things like that. So that's definitely something that we haven't seen them be cooperative with. The, you know, the, the biggest example is probably Coinbase about 18 months or two, or two years ago with the IRS, who, you know, originally went after Coinbase, asked for all of their consumer data. They pushed back, had an actual, you know, legal case. And then actually, you know, I think the end compliant was that they passed over, I think, fifteen to 20,000 consumers that had trades between 2013 and 2015 that I think had an account balance above 10,000. So yeah, you know, the IRS knows that these exchanges have this information. Um, but I think that's, that's the tricky part, but also one of the 
you know, issues that Zenlender solves is if you try to go after, you know, someone that just has a Coinbase account, you don't know if they've used 10 or 100 other exchanges. You don't know if they have used, you know, wallets or they're storing their assets there. So being able to have a complete picture allows, you know, the IRS and consumers to really understand their entire legal package. But, you know, to answer your question specifically, I think Coinbase is the only US-based exchange that actually had to turn over customer data. And I think the other exchanges are more on a subpoena basis. So, you know, an exchange sees an account from Coinbase, they see that you also, you know, KYC through Gemini, and, you know, they can put two and two together that those are your two accounts and things like that. So, um, yeah, hopefully that's, uh, hopefully that's helpful. I don't it, think it's no, that was something where that was very comprehensive of an answer. And I think it provides a lot of clarity for us. Um, I, I'm kind of curious as to like what the most frequently asked questions, uh, either to you personally, or maybe to the support team, what are, what are people just generally confused about and looking to you guys for clarity? Yeah, I think, I think there's a ton of education that needs to happen, not only with consumers, but regulators as well. And that's something that we really try to do with Zenlender is help enforce um, and, and, and really educate consumers around crypto taxes, um, you know, what to expect, what to understand. Obviously, you know, at the end of the day, we're not investment uh, uh, professional. So we're not telling you what to invest in. We want to ensure that, you know, when you invest, you understand the tax consequences or potential liabilities that you may have, you know, when you invest. So I think that's something that we, we always try to focus on is just educating our consumers and then educating the IRS on, you know, how to understand crypto and how to properly tax um, some of these items. You know, so I guess th- those are the first two things. And then I guess, would you mind asking the, the question again? Yeah, it was just kind of like, what what are people specifically confused about? For instance, like maybe mm-hmm. they don't know what is a long-term cap gain versus a short-term cap gain, or they don't know if they should be filing a 1099B or a K or like, are there any like common recurring questions that you're like, damn, everybody keeps asking this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the first one is probably the the most clear, but also the one that we still get questions about all the time is, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the IRS treats uh, crypto as property. So actually trading, you know, very, a very, you know, high level trade just from Bitcoin to Ethereum, that's a taxable event. So any, you know, crypto to crypto transaction is a taxable event that you need to account for. So I think that's something that a lot of people didn't realize, you know, at first, whether, you you know, you mentioned the like kind exchange, um, that was something that was kind of up in the air for a while, you could kind of make the argument that you were just swapping property. But that's really the, the des- designation is the fact that since the IRS treats this as property, you're in essence selling one piece of property and then buying another piece of property every single time you're making a trade. So I think that's, you know, very basic one, but one that's often overlooked. Um, I think the the FinCEN and FACTA reporting is something that has been a gray area for quite some time. This is definitely more like advanced crypto tax, but essentially FinCEN 114 or the FBAR and then the FACTA form or 8939 really go after foreign foreign exchange holdings and typically are due or the thresholds are the amount that you hold in a foreign exchange. For a long time, we didn't know if you had to file both of those. The IRS recently in 2019 came out and said that the FBAR or FinCEN 114 is not required. But for a few years, it was kind of up in the air. So we kind of had to be like, hey, we recommend filing. You've met these thresholds. And now it's, you know, now you don't have to. Um, but then kind of the same thing. We have a gray area with the, with the FACTA or 8939, which is we don't have clear guidance. Is that supposed to be filed? Is it not? Are you supposed to be self-reporting if you have, you know, 75000 or more in a foreign account? So those are probably, you know, some of the, the more frequent ones that we get. 
Um, would, and then, they cons- you know, would they consider a, a hardware wallet or like a trust wallet or any sort of software wallet as a foreign bank account? Or is it just yeah, exchanges? Question. Yeah, great question. Well, we've been you know, told is that uh, wallets, since they're self-custodied, are considered where you are. So if you're a US-based investor and you have, you know, a Trezor, KeepKey, you know, whatever uh, hardware wallet you're using, you know, even a MetaMask wallet, et cetera, um, wherever you are is where those wallets are, are domiciled. Um, but with foreign exchanges, that's really where that comes into play. So if you have like a Gemini, you know, a Kraken, a, Ch- a Coinbase, those are all US-based exchanges. You don't have to mark anything like that. Our software automatically detects if it's a foreign or, um, or domestic source. So you don't even have to mark that. Um, but it's typically going after more of those foreign exchange accounts. So if you have a Binance account or if you're using Hobie, if you're using, you know, KubeCoin or OKX or stuff or things like that. So, um, but great question. You know, that's definitely a question that we get on those items too, is, um, you know, if I have a wallet that I'm using, let's say I'm a US-based taxpayer, but I'm living in Europe, you know, is that wallet then in, in Europe or is it in the US? So it's definitely a question that we get uh, pretty frequently. So I'm glad we were able to, to kind of walk yeah. through that. And, and I also think it like, you know, for instance, there's the travel rule where it's like, if you have at least $10,000 on your person, then you'll have to declare it when you travel international. Um, and then like with crypto, it's like, if I have my 12 words and I've memorized my mnemonic phrase that maybe secures $15,000, for instance, then I'm like, do I, like I have $15,000, but do I still need to declare it? Like, what do you, what do you guys think about the travel rule? Yeah, I think, I mean, personally speaking, and obviously I'm glad we had the disclaimer at the, the beginning of the uh, the podcast. Right. So personally speaking, you know, I think the IRS was making an attempt to to use existing tax guidance that we have for non-crypto items and then apply it to crypto. And, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, in a, in a way, an easy way out is just trying to, you know, bundle everything in crypto under, you know, existing tax rules. And we've seen that whether it's, you know, the Howey test that's used to determine if uh, ICO is a, a security versus a non-security. So we see that a lot where, uh, whether it's the IRS or government agencies that are using, you know, existing codes, existing regulations to then, you know, kind of bundle and put crypto into a nice little box. And I think that's kind of one of them. I think it's something that had a good intention behind it, but wasn't really executed that well. And, and you could kind of make the case that that's the same thing for, you know, the IRS treating crypto as property. Um, you know, which then creates all these taxable events and all the all the management of all that stuff, which, you know, obviously Zenledger helps to solve. But um, so, I, you know, I guess that's my uh, my opinion on that is I think it, it was had a good intention behind it. But I think the execution wasn't as thought out as it could be. And I think that's the balance that we're seeing with the IRS is, um, you know, trying to stay ahead, but trying to educate themselves on what's going on so that when they make, you know, new guidance that it's up to date, it's clear, it's accurate so that they don't have to then you know, modify that again six months later. But we've seen, you know, it's taken them roughly six years that, that you know, 2014-21 that I mentioned earlier is really, that's the best guidance that we've had. And that was in 2014. That was before the ICO craze. That was before DeFi and yield farming. So, um, you know, I think having clear guidance would, would be helpful. But uh, but yeah, you know, I think it had a good intention, but execution just wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, really well thought through. Well, we really appreciate you guys at Zen Ledger being the diplomats between the citizens and the IRS, trying to educate us, trying to educate them, and trying to make a, a brand new system that works better for all of us. So my gratitude towards you. And one last question for you. What's the most requested feature that you guys are still working on? What's on your roadmap for the rest of this year and heading into next year, if you could give us a little sneak peek? 
Yeah, yeah. DeFi support is, is probably the the, the largest. Um, and and you know, I'm I'm come from the place that I think, you know, having great support is beneficial for our industry. So I'd like to you know give Token Tax a, a shout out, which may may be a little bit interesting to hear from a competitor. But you know, I think us and Token Tax have really taken an aggressive stance on really understanding DeFi, understanding the support of it, understanding the tax. I'd, I'd throw a coin tracker into that as well. Um, you know, so I'd say DeFi is is the biggest for us personally. The next kind of three biggest DeFi platforms that we're currently looking at um, is DYDX, Token Sets, um, and Balancer. Um, those are you know three bigger exchanges or you know DeFi protocols or products that people are using that um, that that we're looking to support. So DeFi is probably the 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 biggest trend that we're seeing. And then within DeFi, you know, as you mentioned, that's the hardest part is. Every time we look up, there's a new exchange or there's a new protocol or a sushi swap just came out or yam or like every time you look up, there's a different food being sold, bought or, or traded. So it's we're, we're trying our oh, best. Oh, makes to keep my up. stomach hurt. Um, yeah, it's a lot. I'm, but then you got to think like we have all of traditional CFI that we still need to 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 work on as well. So there's there's a lot of things on our roadmap. I'm really excited about the team that we have. You know, we have a really great team of executives. We have a really great team of investors. Really great team of employees. Um, and really great customers, you know, so we're, we're bullish on crypto and, and, and crypto taxes in general. Um, and, you know, like you said, you know, we're, we're trying to do our best to sit in the middle of, you know, educating our consumers, educating the IRS, you know, Pat and I, my, uh, my partner and, and CEO at, at Zenlander, we're in DC in March for uh, an IRS uh, event, which they're bringing in kind of the leaders in crypto taxes to help them, you know, understand what's going on, how to make the, the proper guidance and legislation. So, you know, we did. De- we definitely take that very seriously, and I think that's something that I personally stand for is is education. And I think, you know, getting back to that financial advisor thing is, you know, I'm I'm definitely more libertarian leaning uh, personally. So I think, you know, people should be able to spend, invest, put their money wherever they want to put it. But I think in the process of doing that, you should have tools that make it really easy to comply. It shouldn't be, you know, very hard to get done. And I think that's really what we we help solve is allowing people to explore crypto whether that's DeFi or yield farming or non-fungible tokens, et cetera, options, derivatives, like there's a lot of really cool things in crypto, but I, we just really want to make sure that people have the ability to explore those things, but know that they can easily stay compliant while they explore those, those items. So we definitely take that position of being that educational or thought leader uh, pretty seriously. And I know, as I mentioned, we, we have, you know, two probably main competitors that I think are making a big push into DeFi and are handling things the right way. So definitely want to give those uh, two companies a shout out, but, uh, Obviously, if you're looking for crypto tax support, you should go with Zenlender first. But heck yeah, and, and we agree. Actually, uh, we agree so much that we, you and I uh, have teamed up to do a promo. So, Dan, would you be uh, would you be willing to do the honors uh, here and explain a little bit about the promotion that we're running together? Sure. Yeah. So we've teamed up uh, to actually do two different kind of promotions. So one of the biggest things in crypto tax is you have the income tax deadline on October 15th, but then you also have the tax uh, extension deadline. So for uh, consumers that filed for a tax extension and need to get everything in place by October 15th, we want to take you know that burden, especially on the price, uh, you know, and help you out a little bit. So we've teamed up to offer uh, 10% off Zenledger, um, and that goes for you know any listener, whether it's across YouTube or across Facebook or you know uh, the, the podcast specifically. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, you guys have put together a really amazing ebook. So we really want our consumers, and you know, I think that's the cool part is we have about twenty, thirty thousand uh, consumers that are now, you know, they're investing in, in crypto. They want the best data, the, the best analysis, 
the best reporting and you guys have put together a really great resource that we're excited to share out. Um, you know, maybe you could throw a few words around what you guys are, are putting into the, the promotion as well. Awesome. Yeah, guys, we have a discount code. You could look in the show notes here uh, and get your hands on some Zen Ledger software. I kid you not. I've played around with this stuff. It is totally awesome. It is totally accurate. Um, and is one of those things that is now a necessity. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you have to click on the show notes uh, in order to see that discount code uh, and exactly what URL to go to. So guys, be sure to click on the show notes. Uh, and without further ado, my friend, Dan, it has been a complete pleasure having you on the show, man. Hey, it was a pleasure coming on. I always uh, appreciated the opportunity to help educate consumers around crypto taxes. And, you know, if there's anything that myself or my team can do to, to help you out, you know, I'm always available, just Dan at zenledger.io. Um, and then our team is just hello at zenledger.io. So if you have questions, you're confused, you know, like you said, we have a lot of consumers that are coming in that haven't touched anything crypto taxes for, you know, four or five years. We, we had a customer that came in yesterday that purchased 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19 reports. Um, you know, so if that, if that reminds you of yourself and you haven't, you know, you put off crypto taxes for a while, you don't want to touch it, you know, let our team, you know, handle that and take care of you. So, um, you know, we, we love to be able to help the audience out and it was a pleasure coming on the show. It's a beautiful thing. Well, I don't want to self-report myself on the podcast, but I'm really glad to know that you've got all those, uh, old versions of software available. That's amazing. Yeah, we got, we got some support, you know, and that's, that's the, the cool part is, you know, if you used a Mt. Gox, if you used a Cryptopia, if you've used an exchange that maybe have shut down, you know, we can still help you out. So, um, you know, if you have any questions, concerns, anything around crypto taxes, you know, let me and my team take care of you. Sounds good, sir. We will talk to you soon and we'll bring you back on the podcast, maybe uh, towards the end of the year, talk about some crypto tax harvesting or maybe, you know, towards the beginning of the year and talk about how to kick off uh, some strategies for, for 2021. Would love to. Cool. Thanks, Dan. Take care. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.